Thank you so much for that beautiful music. How it blesses our soul. You know, we're in a series right now. We're calling it Invested. And today we're going to focus on the hope that we have in God. And I want to remind you today about the promises of God. I think we all need reminded about the promises of God. Do you know there are literally thousands of promises in the Bible uh, of God? I mean, all kinds of promises in the English translations of the Bible. One scholar has done a study about this, and he finds there's over 8,000 promises of God. There's a lot of promises when you start looking at it. And the Bible tells us that God is a promise maker and a promise keeper. In fact, we have a covenant we talk about uh, this New Testament, the Old Testament, and, and you know that it's different than a contract. A contract is something that we sign and we can rip it up and throw it away if we don't want to follow it. But a covenant is made not to be broken and our God stands behind this covenant with his people. And I think we need to be reminded of it. You know, God's promises are kind of like a divine insurance policy. I mean, think of that. In an insurance policy, when you know what's covered, you just kind of relax, right? You don't sweat it when the circumstances arise or the illness or the accident because you know you are covered. And so you relax. But on the other hand, if you don't know what's covered, then you kind of get worried about it. It keeps you up at night. You're thinking, well, am I going to be covered if this happens or X, Y, and C kind of unfolds? And if you're ignorant about it, you're going to worry. You're going to stew about it. You're going to fret about it. And, you know, one problem we have today is that so many people are not aware of God's promises. They're not even looking at their insurance policy, right? It's in the glove uh, box or it's in the folder at home and you haven't thought about it, maybe. Uh, but you know what? Uh, God's promises are so good and rich for those who love the word the Lord. And so as we look at the Bible today, we find the promises of God, the promises of God's help. If you need wisdom, he says, I'm here to give you wisdom. He says, if you need power, the Holy Spirit will come up on you if you just tarry. He gives us uh, forgiveness, the promise of forgiveness, that Jesus is our advocate and stands at the right hand of God. He gives us guidance. He promises to give us salvation. There's the promise of blessing. There's a promise of heaven. There's a promise of victory and so many other benefits. And you can't afford to miss these amazing promises that God has given to us. There are fundamental facts about the promises of God. If you stop and think about it, if you look into the, the word of the Lord, and these are facts that I think ought to encourage all of us to invest in God's kingdom. One is that you're reminded here that we need to build our life upon the promises of God. We're to build our life on the rock of ages. We're to build our life on God, not on the shifting sands, not on the worldly things, but to, we're to build our life on the promises of God. And not only that, we're also reminded that there are two kinds of promises essentially in the scripture. God makes conditional promises and unconditional promises to us. The unconditional promises have no strings attached. And no matter what you do, when God promises something unconditionally, it's going to happen. You can take that to the bank. I mean, for instance, God has made an unconditional promise about the coming of Christ again. And it's not going to be dependent upon anything you do. You can like it or lump it. You can disagree with it. You can say whatever you want. But independent of whatever you think and feel, 
God has made this promise that one of these days Jesus is coming again, and that's an unconditional promise. God also makes conditional promises, and these promises are based on your obedience. God says, if you do this, then I'll do this, and it's not automatic. But these promises aren't automatically just going to fall in your life, but we're called to be obedient people. And to meet that requirement or condition is what we're asked to do as disciples. If you don't meet that requirement, then you forfeit the promise. And in other words, there's a premise to every promise that's conditional. And we also know that God makes promises for us for a couple of different reasons. God gives us a promise to teach us, I think, to trust in him, especially in difficult times. And that's why this text here in Psalm 119, the middle portion of the Bible, this longest chapter in the Bible, is one that you really ought to nourish your heart and mind with. It is full of such wonderful, comforting words. And listen to this verse, verse 50. When I'm hurting, I find comfort in your promises that lead to life. If you weren't ever in a bad circumstances, you wouldn't even think about the promises of God, would you? If everything went great in your life, you wouldn't really think about needing the promises of God. But it goes on in this chapter to say in verse 114, You, God, you are my refuge and shield, and your promises are my only source of hope. If things always went great in your life, everything was always going wonderful, always looked fantastic, you wouldn't need any of these promises. It's when the situation suddenly looks hopeless. It's when you suddenly feel like the world is shaking underneath you. That's when you need the promises of God. And it's when situations seems like they are coming apart at the seams. That's when you need the promises of God. God gives us promises, I think, in some part to help us through the challenging times of life, the difficult times when you're hurting or when you feel like you're even being abandoned or you think the situation looks hopeless or grim, that's when you need the promises of God. God gives us these promises to make us more like Christ. And that's the second thing I think we need to be mindful of. These promises are to enable us to be the disciples of Christ, to help us grow into the likeness of Christ. God's number one goal, in fact, is to make us like his son, Jesus Christ, who came and lived among us, redeemed our uh, you know, plans for our redemption and offers us salvation. And one of the ways that uh, we really are to become like Christ is through his promises. This goes on into the New Testament. In fact, in places like 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4, God has made great and marvelous promises, uh, the writer there says, so that his nature would become part of us. God made these promises so that his nature would become part of us. All of these promises that we find in the Bible, that his nature would become part of us. The more you trust in God's promises, the more it's going to revolutionize your life. The more it's going to transform your soul. The more it's going to change your heart. And that's what the future holds for us, I really believe, as a faith community family. We want to grow more like Christ we are on a mission to make Jesus known in our community and to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And you can't become like Christ without trusting in the promises of God. The Bible tells us that God works in our life, in fact, 
through these promises. The Bible says that God works. And can you guess what subject in the Bible God makes more promises about than anything else? I've said this before, and I'm reminding you today that it's not faith, and it's not promises around prayer, it's not love, it's not patience, but no, God seems to make more promises in the Bible about generosity and about our giving than anything else. God is generous, and he wants us to become generous like he is. Everything we have in life is because of the amazing grace of God. Stop and think about it. Even uh, these flautists here today, this, this flute trio playing Amazing Grace, one of the top hymns, if not the top hymn, you know, for decades in all of Christendom, Amazing Grace. We love to sing about it. In fact, we just get lost in it. The generosity of God. And in fact, in John chapter 1, it says this, out of the message paraphrase version of the Bible, it says, we live off of his generous, his generous bounty, gift after gift after gift. Everything you and I have in life, if you stop and think about it, is because of the generosity of God. And God wants us to become more like his son, Jesus. He wants his children to be like his father, like son, the father, like daughter. God wants us to learn generosity. And why is that? It's because giving is hard. The reason giving is hard because it challenges our selfishness. We know as our very nature, we're kind of selfish people. We want it all for ourselves. We want it our way. And that's the reason giving is hard. I don't want to give anything to anybody else. God, I want you to spend it all on me. I want to have it all by myself, but God gives rewards for us learning to be like him. God is a generous God, and everything you have in life is because of his generosity toward us, and he wants us to become like him. There's at least three different rewards. I know there are many others, but at least three I just briefly want to highlight here today about the, the promises that God has for us if we learn to be generous. One is that God promises good things are going to happen in our life if we learn to be generous people. When you learn to give like God, good things happen. God promises things will be uh, good. For example, in Psalm 112, it says, Good will come to him who is generous. Good things will come about to those who are not stingy or not miserly in their ways, but has that cheerful heart of giving. Proverbs 22 is another one. Generous people will be blessed. That's a promise of God. Generous people will be blessed. And if you want God's blessing in your life, you want God's goodness in your life, you want good things to happen in your life, the Bible says generosity is the key to unlocking that. God promises good things will happen to those who are givers. A number uh, two, I, I would say, is God promises blessings upon your children. Do you realize that? You your family will be blessed if we learn to give like God. And in fact, the Bible says in Psalm 37, it says the godly are always general, generous, and that is a mark of godly people, of disciples of Christ. And if you're not generous, you're not godly because God is generous. And it says the godly are always generous. Their children will be blessed. 
Notice that when you learn to be generous and give like God is a giver, that blessings not only flow to you, but your family is blessed. And I know we all want to pass it on to the next generation. We want our children to be blessed. We want our grandchildren to be blessed. We want our family to be blessed. And you learn how to be generous. God's word says. And then lastly, let me say to you that God promises contentment if you're generous. God's promises are to us that if we learn to be like God, we'll be more fulfilled in life. We'll be more happy. We'll be more, you know, uh, the feeling of complete and satisfied. Everybody knows this except those who are really uh, chintzy in heart, those who are stingy in nature in their heart. Jesus said this in Acts 20, he's, and this is Luke talking here in verse 35. Remember the words of our Lord Jesus Christ himself who said, there is more happiness in giving than receiving. And I got to be honest with you, as a kid, I didn't like that verse. In fact, I didn't believe that verse. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I would rather get Christmas gifts than to give them as a little kid. And I didn't want to give anything. I wanted to get those gifts. But, you know, it's a real mark of maturity when all of a sudden you realize that giving is what it's really all about. Maturity comes when you realize that there's actually more happiness. There's more satisfaction. There's a deeper joy in giving than there is receiving. If you learn to give generously, God says you're gonna be happier. You're gonna be more fulfilled. Uh, blessings are gonna flow upon you because good things will come about. And you know, I'm so happy for all of those who really manage their resources that God has given to them. Their time, their energy, their prayers, their witness, their treasure, all the wonderful ways that we as a local church family are reaching out beyond these four walls is simply amazing. We are making a difference, I assure you, in the lives of people as we stand on the promises of God. So many wonderful things are happening. And I've asked Brandon, if he would, to come just a moment and to share with us some of these incredible things that are happening in the life of our church here at Faith Community. So, Brandon. Hello, everybody. Um, I want to first say thank you, because the missions team, the missions here at Faith could not happen uh, without you. Um, it is your gifts, your time. I know people that have been serving um, for 10 years plus. Some of you have just started. Some of you are like, I need a break. Um, because of you and your faithfulness, we have been able to do some great things. Right now, um, monthly, the pantry is serving 750 families. Now, when you think about that, some of our families have four children. Some of them have three. Some of them, uh, they have a spouse. They might have other people living in their household. So really, faith community is supporting well over 3,000 people with food. Tremendous. Um, we are being recognized um, by Shared Harvest um, as one of the leading pantries in Butler County. And they've given us a grant for $50,000 to, 
because they want to invest in what's going on here. They are, um, with this money, we are able to purchase a truck, a pantry truck, which was very important. Very, we were getting to the point where we were starting to worry about that with our old one. God is good. He provides. Um, I will say we also are doing Stepping Forward. Um, we have, um, she did a great job of mentioning our pies. We need pies. We need all of these things. Thanksgiving is coming, and we're going to ha- invite everyone in from our pantry, from our community, from schools. Um, you all are invited, and um, we are going to break bread with each other. We're going to talk with each other. Tremendous. Um, we are also, as you've seen, many of you have seen uh, some Christmas ornaments right behind you. Um, we have a tree out there for presents. Um, If God places it on your heart, if you've already got one, grab another, because we are in need this year. Um, We have a lot, a lot of need. Um, But there are a couple other categories that I want to talk about with missions. Um, Locally, what I just spoke about, nationally and globally. Nationally, we are still investing and partnering with Project 5-2, and uh, we are sending Bibles down to Kentucky, Hazard County. We are sending food. That is an ongoing thing um, for the time being. Uh, we are also globally, and I'm very excited about this, um, we are looking into um, partnering um, with a sister church in Africa. And this is tremendous for what God is doing um, in this community um, and in this area. Because it's not about just sending money to Africa. No, what we want is we want to know what's going on over there. We want to know what their struggles are. We want them to know what our struggles are. So we're going to start praying for each other. And what that does is it brings the body of Christ together globally. And that is a powerful, powerful, powerful thing. Um, So we are still in discernment about that. And I would like to invite all of you um, to be in prayer about that to see how God is going to move. We will not move unless God tells us to move. Um, But finally, all of these things, um, missions, food, all of these things are good. Why do we do it? It's good to do, but why? We do it because it prepares the ground, the ground of the hearts of all of the members, all of the people coming in, all of the visitors. It's preparing their heart. For what? The gospel of Jesus Christ. And so in the next year, that is what um, my mission and what I've been called to bring into the missions uh, department here is this hard, scary word of evangelism. But it's not scary because evangelism is just telling your story. How did God help you? And so that's what we're going to be doing in the next year. We want to, um, we're going to be calling upon you you know, to share your story, to be table facilitators, to talk with other people who um, are in the trenches right now. You know, you have a testimony that says, I've overcome. I was once in that gutter, now I'm out. And so we want to mix you guys. We want faith to be mixed in with all people. And because of every gift, every pie that you've made, every little thing that you've done for missions, that has been preparing the ground for all the years. So we want to reap a harvest. So all of this um, 
finally, is really able to be done because of the BSL, because of your faithfulness and many other people. Tim has supported tremendously in, in the global aspect. All of these things, the staff, our volunteers, all of you are why this happens. And first and foremost, missions is all about evangelism, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So thank you all uh, from the bottom of my heart. Um, thank you. Thank you so much, Brandon, for sharing. And can't we just say an amen to that? Amen. amen, indeed. In fact, I was reflecting on that word this week. You know, amen is without a doubt the most remarkable word in all of language. Let me just tell you that it's been uh, transliterated out of a Hebrew, Koine Greek, uh, into multiple languages, and it's practically a universal word. Everybody knows pretty much what you're saying when you say amen. It's been the best known word, I think, in human speech because the word is directly related to, uh, in fact, almost identical to the Hebrew word for believe or faithful, and thus it's just this incredible expression of absolute trust. And so anytime you hear God's word, you say with an exclamation point, amen. Or anytime there's a wonderful song that just blesses your life, that sings about the truth of the gospel, you just exclaim, amen. And there's no doubt it's profound that the last word of the Bible, in fact, if you look at that in Revelation 22, 21, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Thanks be to God. We invite you to invest in the kingdom of God here through faith community and just to join us as we try to make a difference, as we make disciples and make Jesus known. Will you uh, join me as we sing our concluding hymn here today? It's 664, sent forth by God's blessing. Let's stand as we sing.